Morning, you're listening to Diffuse Tap with Kenny Estes and Isla Krem. On tap today, we have Ryan Tarabellini, Executive VP of Algorand Ventures at the Algorand Foundation, a part of a wildly successful crypto ecosystem. He'll be talking about ecosystem ROI, which investments thrive in an ecosystem and which ones fall flat. Enjoy. I do love that star field. Everybody's zooming back into focus. Here we go. Nice to see you guys. Yeah, Claudia doing the hand motions. Brilliant. Vibing. Uh, hope you guys had some good conversations in this room. If you've not been here before, you're probably confused. So here's what you can expect today. This is a weekly event. We do it uh, every Wednesday at 10 a.m. Central. We always start with the breakout room, kind of like what you just did. Well, what you just did. And then we're going to briefly talk about Diffuse Tap and Diffuse, what we're up to and why. Then we're going to do a fireside chat with Mr. Brian Terribellini. And then two more rounds of breakout rooms, kind of like what you just did, because this is primarily a networking event. We get a bunch of folks, alternative investors, heavy bias towards crypto to get together and connect see what's going on. It's just a chance to kind of uh, talk with like-minded folks and see if anything comes out of it. But we do want you to learn a little bit, hence the insights bit with Ryan here today. Now, if you like this sort of networking type stuff, we also do in-person versions of it. The next one, September 13th in New York City, hosted by Mr. Andy Harrison, who's giving you the thumbs up in the camera right there. So if you're going to be there, then talk to him. Uh, Diffuse, what we do is spin up funds. We um, are primarily focused right now on our Diffuse Digital 30 vehicle, which is a newly publicly listed index fund here in the United States of America. Tops, top, or tracks the top 30 cryptocurrencies, market cap weighted monthly rebalance. It's a really good, in our opinion, super biased opinion, way to get digital asset exposure. So if you have any interest in that, let us know. But enough about us. Let's hear about this dude, Ryan. Hello. Thank you very much for joining us. And would you mind unmuting, tell the folks a little bit about your background and what you're up to over at Algorand? Sure, I would. Uh, thank you for having me. It's a pleasure to uh, see some familiar faces and also meet some new ones. So uh, my name is Ryan Terbellini. I'm the EVP of Algorand Ventures at the Algorand Foundation. So uh, as I was talking with some folks in the breakout room, I uh, realized it would be Helpful introduction to my talk to give a bit of background, but I think we'll, we'll jump into that in a second about how we went to a ventures kind of investment model from a grants model. I know there's some researchers focused on grants and other forms of governance uh, around blockchain ecosystems. So excited to have this conversation. And I would just add, uh, I think you should expand the DD fund to the top 50 so that Algorand could be included. So, you know, that'll be my speaker fee for the day. Thank you, Kenny. <laughs> On it. Uh, which qualified custodian custodies? <laughs> uh, we got Coinbase. Yeah. Right. Coin, Coinbase. Good. Yeah. That's, Good. that's your custodian, Good. right? The counts. Yeah. Well, until Gensler shuts it down. Yes. Yes. That is still, <laughs> still a custodian. Well, that, that is to be determined in the lawsuit. So we will yeah, see. Exactly. Um, awesome. We'll, we'll start digging into questions and maybe we'll pick up right where you insinuated. Um, when, when Algorand started building an ecosystem of companies that, that use your infrastructure, it was a little bit of a different approach. Do you want to give a little bit of background of, of how you arrived at this ecosystem investment uh, strategy that you have in place? Sure. Yeah. So um, I've been with Algorand Foundation since early 2021. Um, 
the Algorand blockchain itself just celebrated its fourth year on mainnet. So, you know, it's, um, I call it like a, a blockchain 3.0, you know, the earliest blockchain was kind of Bitcoin, Litecoin, and then you had sort of the Ripple ledger, and then you had smart contract based platforms uh, following Ethereum. So Algorand sort of an improvement on some of those smart contract based blockchains. So it's been around for four years. This was launching 2019. So in 2019, you know, that was kind of the buildup of the last bull market. Um, There's a lot of interest in, you know, what are the possibilities around decentralized applications? Um, but, you know, a lot of the sort of developer mindshare was focused on Ethereum and the EVM, uh, you know, based blockchains. So in that sense, like uh, at the time, it was sort of a, a fight for mindshare. Like, so there's always like, you got to throw money around to get builders coming to your, through the gate early on, right? If there's a blockchain with no network effects, if there's no users yet, if there's no dev tooling, if there's no SDKs, like where do you even start, right? So you kind of need to gradually build up that, that groundswell effect to attract the developer interest. But when we think about ecosystem building and ecosystem ROI, I broadly classify it into two forms of ecosystem ROI. There's kind of a D2D aspect. So I say developer to developer. So those are the toolkits and the infrastructure required to actually build the applications. And then there's sort of the D2C or the developer to consumer side, which are those apps themselves, which act as the sort of lures or magnets to get users in the door. And that sort of fills a virtuous cycle as you get new applications built, the apps will get more users as more users come in and more devs are attracted to your platform. So it's sort of a sequential thing, but in the early days, you just need to be getting people building tooling and getting the, the you know, stuff in the hands of the builders so that you can get the uh, next wave of users on board. And then of course, you know, there's market dynamics that have to be navigated and considered, right? Like a lot of the users that come in, as we were talking about at our breakout group, they respond to incentives. So kind of what are the financial or monetary incentives to come and uh, participate in a network or an ecosystem is another broader question, but that's more of a, a matter of monetary policy, I would say, than sort of ecosystem development um, or ecosystem investment from a pure sense. So, Okay, so type out in the abstract, D2D, I like that, by the way, um, for some who've heard that before. Uh, so that kind of helped. That's the first thing you need is you actually need things to do on the network, which makes sense. And then you can kind of get those out to the consumer. What What is appealing to those two audiences as you're trying to build it? Like, what are the most important things that developers are looking for? What are the most important things for consumers? Um, yeah. And then, yeah, good. I think um, on the developer side, it really depends. Like all developers are not created equal in my experience. So I've like worked in Silicon Valley most of my career. Um, it's some of the big tech companies I've previously worked at Google. So, um, you know, developers have different areas of interest. And I think um, different blockchains also attract people with different skill sets. So most developers I talk to, I think the unifying theme is like they want an easy development experience. They don't want like, you know, crazy uh, manual debugging. They want some sort of QA automation. They want something that can point out dependencies and stuff like that. So the more of a unified development toolkit you can offer developers, the smoother their experience is, the more they're interested in continuing to build. If you have sort of a clunky UI UX for devs where they pick one thing up and they have to download all these different packages or all these different SDKs just to do some very basic uh, testing of an app that they might want to launch on chain, then, uh, you know, that friction, every step where you add friction is more and more likely to stop uh, 
you know, a talented dev from actually launching something on your chain. So we, we recently launched something called Algo Kit and we're working on version two of that. So that is sort of our attempt to smooth the development experience as much as possible to speak to that dev audience. That's an exciting project led by our CTO, John Woods. Um, so yeah, we've really kind of gone deep on the focus group about what devs want and we've built a product around that to kind of smooth out the experience. Um, on the consumer side or the retail side, it's hard to say exactly what people want. I think another unifying theme is people like to make money, but that's like not the end all be all. I mean, there's, there's some other considerations, you know, people Profound, like, right. Yeah, <laughs> very deep. I know. Yeah. I thought, I just thought of that. It never occurred to me, but, um, you know, people, people also like a community. And when I say community, I think that's an overused word in crypto or blockchain, but like what I actually mean is like, they like the camaraderie of other smart, like-minded people who see the potential in a technology or who see the potential in a particular project. People also just like entertainment, right? They like, they like you know, activity. They like games. They like uh, things that are happening. And they like problems to be solved. So, you know, if, to the extent that any application on a blockchain can actually solve somebody's real-world problem or real-world challenge and, and help them do something, I think that's, um, you know, what people want. So... It's all about kind of messaging that and getting people through the door. And uh, similar to developers, you know, you need a pretty good onboarding experience. So I'd say it's easier to grow a successful blockchain ecosystem if, uh, you know, your core wallet or your core block explorer, kind of the things that users interact with on a day-to-day -day basis, have a good UI UX. So that's a pretty key consideration. So it's about finding those right partners uh, to build those tools and build those application experiences. Fascinating. How how did you, from an investment perspective, where did you guys start out at, and and, and how did you end up becoming a, a non profit? Uh, you could have probably have made some some uh, some decent returns off of all the folks that are building on your platform. What made you shift uh, into a nonprofit structure? So, so we actually never shifted into a nonprofit. We've always been a nonprofit. Uh, oh. Algorand Ventures is, for lack of a better term, an evergreen fund that is uh, sort of investing off the balance sheet of the foundation. So rather than have a traditional GPLP structure like you would have in a, a real and a more mainstream venture fund, we are basically investing uh, dollars and tokens off the foundation's balance sheet in a way where all the returns will just be plowed back into the future ecosystem. So it's just kind of recycling itself. Um, and that, that fits well with the constitution and the mandate of the foundation, which is just to grow the adoption of the Algorand blockchain technology. So in the nonprofit sense, um, for I know there's some folks in Singapore on the call and some lawyers, so I'll, I'll go into the nerdy technical details. It's a company limited by guarantee under Singapore law, which basically means there's no shareholders. So therefore, there's kind of no underlying owners or ultimate owners of the foundation's assets. It's just that they're into perpetuity until they are either fully decentralized and dispersed to the uh, developer community or to users as well. So we continue to kind of innovate and build programs to uh, help decentralize the governance of Algorand as a blockchain and also uh, to you know fund projects that are building on Algorand and the Algorand Ventures is the program that does that. So it, it fits nicely. All right. Um, Pat Dougherty, who a uh, former SEC staffer, uh, has a question. I'll pick up his second one. And I'm going to preface this by saying that actually Algo used to be in DD30, and we pulled it out because the SEC claims it is a security 
So his question um, is, what are the uses of the algo tokened and compare it with, say, Ethereum? Sure. Well, I mean, yeah, very similar to other kind of layer one tokens or, you know, uh, blockchain ecosystems that rely on a native token. Algo is used to pay gas fees, right? Not, we don't call them gas fees. We call them transaction fees. But, you know, in ETH, um, I, I'd say one of our competitive advantages is that, you know, ETH, if there's a lot of network traffic or congestion, that gas fee can scale to sort of a, a level where it's uh, not economically efficient or affordable for a lot of people to transact. Uh, in the Algorand world, we've actually fixed that fee at a very small fraction of an algo, a milli algo. So that it kind of stays at a fraction of a penny for all transactions. So uh, that's one of the use cases. Uh, otherwise, uh, we have a governance program, which we've been running for almost two years now. And one of the core kind of uh, value propositions to algo holders is they can become governors. They can stake these algos, meaning they can lock them up for a period of 90 days. And in doing so, they can actually vote alongside other algo holders for core issues of decentralization and governance of the network. So, um, yeah, we were asking about how do we move into our ventures program? Actually, another core aspect is that we used to have a grants program. I recently published a very long and in-depth um, analysis of the grants program and the money that was spent over the last three years. But part of the realization there is that the community should actually decide how grants are dispersed and which teams and projects are deserving of uh, some of these algo funds. So we have a, a special program called XGovs, where if you're a more committed governor, you can put your algos into a longer time commitment period, and then you can propose uh, which projects should get grants, you know, have more voting power on those grants and things like that as well. So I'd say fundamentally, algo is kind of the unit of account for a lot of uh, economic activity with the algorithm, but it also provides governance rights to its holders as well, uh, as well, enabling them to transact. Do you want to touch on that security thing or is that a third rail we want to avoid? Uh... I'm not a lawyer, so I, there's not much I can say. I can, I will say I, I'm a former employee of Ripple. So um, I think ah. the courts, I'll, I'll speak, I'll speak in a personal capacity in my experience in this space. I think, um, you know, the uh, court's ruling that sales of uh, XRP on secondary exchanges do not fulfill the prongs of the Howey test creates an interesting legal precedent that um, will kind of potentially clear the way for a lot of the other cases or claims of uh, these tokens being securities. And, you know, you can't paint every token with a broad brush of these are all digital asset securities, I guess. What the court was finding is that the nature of the sale or the nature of the transaction is very important in that determination. So mm. we'll see if that holds up. Um, I'm not an, a lawyer, but that's just my layman's analysis of the kind of importance of that precedent. So how did um, how did the investment strategy change uh, over the last three years? You said you've you looked at you know wrote a little report on, on what did well and what didn't go well. What were some of the the main lessons learned? What are some adjustments you've made over time? Oh, yeah. So sequencing is super important. So maybe to my earlier comments around, you know, you got to bring the developers first and the developers bring the users. I, I think if you are in a place where people are just coming in, uh, maybe attracted by what they deem to be free money through a grants program, uh, you don't really have credible commitment to, you know, understanding the technology and building it and then kind of growing with the ecosystem organically. So my key learning is really focus on like the developer experience before you try to go um, get users of applications. 
Because if you don't get the developer experience right, you're not going to get the right quality of applications out the door. If you don't get that, then you're going to be very challenged and constrained relative to the user base offered by other blockchains. And then, you know, a lot of other new devs that are coming into the Web3 or blockchain space are going to look very carefully at on-chain metrics or number of open wallets, things like that, in deciding where to build. So you kind of need this happy ground of like good developer experience, good tooling, you know, good user base to kind of uh, launch an application to. And then, of course, there's always going to be a financial element, but I think that goes beyond any foundation's individual strategy. That's it's a larger question around who are the venture investors, what kind of capital is available, uh, who are the partnerships um, tied into this blockchain ecosystem, that type of stuff. So it becomes a broader question of you know funding and access and how that blockchain has positioned itself over time, not just what the foundation is doing with grants. Gotcha. And obviously you're doing grants, you're not doing investments. Um, so how are we defining an ROI? So you're, you're obviously spending a lot of time building this ecosystem. There's the underlying value of the token, but uh, kind of what is the end monetization? And if you have sage wisdom to pass along to people that are building ecosystems and thinking about how long of a process this is, that would be interesting as well. Sure. Yeah. So, so to be clear, we, we are doing investments. Uh, we were doing grants. We terminated the grants program about a year, year ago. Uh, we've just been wrapping that up. Late last year, we launched Algorand Ventures and that program is sort of the successor to the grants program in the sense that it's the way that we disperse um, funds to the builders in the ecosystem. But when we do disperse those funds, whether dollars or algos, we do so uh, in exchange for uh, you know equity or tokens in those projects. So we're basically becoming patient capital strategic investors in these projects. So you know, in doing so, um, I think it's just a better alignment of incentives, right? It speaks to the need for projects to validate some of their product market fit assumptions. They need to go to other VCs and kind of um, get a confirmed you know, valuation figure or round ter- terms around the round that they're doing. So in that sense, you know, we uh, have partnered with another number of other VCs and other funds that are active in the Web3 space and specifically in Algorand. So we often work together to kind of prioritize and figure out which are the key projects that Need we need to uh, assist in fundraising and kind of push them across the line. So uh, that's how we do it. Yeah. Sorry, I forgot your second question. Uh, it was that ROI, and I think that's probably going to be a different answer in a grant issuing versus the now venture investing type world. Well, no, I think it's relevant because um, yeah, we don't necessarily purely look at financial ROI. So yeah, I guess the to the subject of the call. And the uh, talk I'm giving today, ecosystem ROI, I think that could be defined in a number of different ways, depending on whether you're looking at the D2D side or the D2C side. But maybe let me just focus a bit more on D2C and what we would look for there. Fundamentally, if we're going to invest in you know an application built on Algorand or any other blockchain, you want to actually see that that application is being used. And very simple way to do so is to look at the number of unique wallets that are interacting with an app to look at the amount of transaction volume that's driving, to look at whether or not there's associated, you know, economic metrics with that on-chain activity, you know, whether that's in the form of, um, you know, value staked in a smart contract or, or funds traded, things like that. So, you know, in that sense, it really depends. It's application specific, but um, it can really, I think it's quite simple to drill down to kind of a North Star KPI for what you're looking for when you invest in an application. 
And fundamentally, that's usage. And then you can benchmark that usage against what's happening on other blockchains or other competing applications. So you can kind of get a sense of if we invested in this particular application, how is that app doing on competitive chains? Or does it make sense to um, find a way to try to aggregate more users or kind of how do users come in the door? and How does that drive the underlying success of the project? Okay. Sounds good. Makes sense. We'll appreciate it. We never have as much time as we'd like. So we are going, to, but we are going to pop into breakout rooms because that's what many of you all are here for. A couple of housekeeping items. Say this every week, but it is uh, networking, not pitching. Please be respectful of that and each other. Um, and then we don't do a participant list. So swap details there in the chat or don't join the Telegram group. Introduce yourself. Good for making connections in particular. Uh, breakout rooms, typically, you don't have to stick to this format. Introduce yourselves for a bit so you all know what you're up to and then discuss the topic if you have time or are so inclined. And the topic is, Ms. Isla? Yep, I'm Poppy Drooms. And the topic to discuss is what is an investment on a blockchain that would make logical sense to you at this point? You know, Kenny and I, we looked at a lot of different things built on various blockchains about a year ago, and uh, you know, some things seem to be more successful than others. What were some of the things that you thought would have been good investments on various blockchains? I'll pop you into rooms now, and we'll see you back here in about 10 minutes. Ryan, uh, I did a terrible thing. Sorry, I had to, I had to do it. I'm sorry, it's the worst. Um, but I forgot to warn you. We do always ask the same question of speakers in between breakout rooms, which is to tell us the future. What are you excited oh. by? What is coming down the pipe? I know you are so on the spot right now. It's the worst. And uh, oh, no. <laughs> it could be anything, crypto or not. And you get, do get brownie points if it's something that the audience hasn't necessarily heard about before. So, well, you know, it's interesting. So, as we all know, crypto is a very cyclical and volatile kind of sector of the technology economy. Um, you know, I'm, I'm from Silicon Valley, the Bay Area. Like, it's very funny. I just recently, I was in Singapore the last three years. I recently moved back to the Bay Area and uh, out with the old and in with the new, right? So there's, I don't meet many blockchain startups these days. Everybody's doing AI this and AI that, right? So is AI the future? I mean, yeah, I think so. But nobody knows what that future looks like, right? So it's going to have different applications for different industries and kind of uh, change sort of the labor market or the commodification of knowledge in ways that we can't really fully anticipate at this time. So it's pretty exciting. I just think for people that are investing in that space, it's very hard to see where value capture is going to happen. Does it happen at the services layer, you know, where customers interact or pay for AI agents or AI services in the background, or is it going to happen, you know, all the way down the stack at the chips layer with the stuff that, you know, NVIDIA is doing on the GPUs and all that. So that's very interesting to, kind of assess that value chain. And to my points earlier about ecosystem, right? Where's all the tooling going to happen? So mm. yeah, I mean, there's an unlimited amount of uh, detailed research you could jump into if you're going to throw your money into that space. But all right, AI, that's where it's at. I, I think I'm, we not, do. I'm, I'm, not doing, I'm not doing that myself, but yeah, right, I'd like well, to learn more. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm talking to people that are, so I want to learn how they're thinking about it. Well, if you've been on this event, for the very often at all, you'll have heard this from me, which is that I, I like the idea yes, of blockchain present. becoming a slide Fair. 11 implementation detail on a deck where it's like the business model is the business model that just happens to be on blockchain rather than being the primary marketing thing, which is we've been at. Maybe the fact that the zeitgeist is moving on to AI and 
apparently room temperature superconductors um we can uh, get back to actually building the real businesses on blockchain. yeah we, we we can all be wary of a pitch deck where it's just throwing ai blockchain yeah, or whatever yeah, yeah. uh du jour type uh, tech buzzwords are in there you know exactly. with no rhyme or reason yeah so <laughs> in a couple of those <laughs> uh yeah for sure all right Rizal, we get another topic what do you think yep absolutely You'll go into rooms, and I really hope that you're not going to be with the same people. I clicked the right buttons, I think. And uh, your topic will be, which blockchain do you think is going to rule them all? We saw a lot of them fizzle out <laughs> during the collapse. I know that, uh, you know, Mr. Ryan might have thought or two, but uh, everybody else, which one do you think is going to be the standing out blockchain? I'll pop in dreams now, and we'll see you back here in 10 minutes. All right, welcome back, everybody. Ooh, I'll put on my, my official... There we go. Much better. Um, actually, no. Up next, uh, we're going to do a quick wrap up and then we're going to get out of here right on time. Ryan, because we want to give you the floor before everybody dips at the top of the hour. Please unmute and plug your pluggables. How can people find you, get in touch with you, all that stuff? Oh, yeah, sure. So uh, drop my email in the chat, uh, ryan at algorand.foundation. I think I just, everybody should see that there. So that's good. Uh, otherwise, I'm on LinkedIn and uh, yeah. Reach out, look at the Algorand Foundation. We're doing a lot of interesting things. Uh, Algorand ecosystem at large. Lots of fun projects to connect with, depending on your interests. So feel free to reach out. And uh, it's a pleasure speaking with you all. I learned a lot today. Awesome. Appreciate it. Okay. Appreciate your wisdom. couple of uh, wrap-up items. One, next week, Wednesday, 10 a.m. Central, same as every week. Come learn about structured products and crypto this is actually I, I love this stuff you get to see me really geek out uh september 13th mr andy harrison hosting nyc come check that out as well in a month and a half join the telegram group into yourself great for making connections or just kind of staying abreast of what's going on and i love things no nope. no nothing else this is it thanks so much for your help all right. Thank you, everybody. Uh, networking doesn't work without a network, and y'all are just amazing. Uh, always get compliments. So thank you for showing up and sharing some of your thoughts. And uh, Ryan, again, thanks for some of your wisdom. No problem. Nice to meet Bye. you all. Thank See y'all next thank week. You. Awesome. Yeah. Bye. Bye. yeah, thanks. Bye. That's all, folks. Hope you learned something new. If you join us on Zoom every Wednesday at 10 a.m. Central, you can also network with other fascinating alternative investors from all over the world in small groups of four or five. Learn more on our website at www.diffusefunds.com. Until next time. <laughs>